old photographs. I carry a black and white snapshot in my wallet of a house with a big front porch. I don't know whose house it is. The photo was taken by my grandmother, probably when she was a teenager. My grandmother loved to take photos. Her house was full of them, photos from birthdays and family gatherings, pictures of people long gone and of pets no one cared about but her. After my mother died, the photos came to me, and now a lot of them hang in my house, but many of them sit dusty in boxes. Some of them are labeled, but most are not. Who is who is not always clear, and has often been lost to history and my grandmother's shaky memory. It wasn't her house, or any house she ever lived in. It's not where she grew up, and it's not the house her grandparents owned. I've seen photos of all of those. Maybe a friend of hers lived there. Maybe something famous happened there. Or maybe she saw it one day, liked it, and captured it on film. I'm a 21st century mom, and I take a lot of pictures. I don't watch my son's soccer games or my daughter's horseback riding lessons so much as I photograph them. My external hard drive has nine years of pictures on it, starting from the day my daughter was born, and that thing is full. I try to delete the fuzzy and the out-of-focus, and the ones where the kids aren't looking at the camera, but most of them just get dumped into that hard drive. Some are seen again, but most never will be, at least not in my lifetime. I plan to hand them off to my kids when they are grown, but who knows? It was so different for my grandmother. She had to have her camera with her. She did not live in an era where everyone carried one in their pocket. She had to have film. She had to install the film correctly. She had to focus herself, and she had to get the right shot. She had toddlers at one point. How do you get the perfect shot of a one-year-old eating birthday cake if you can't just keep shooting? Her pictures were much more posed than the ones I take. Fewer action shots. She never heard of a selfie. But there's a dignity to them. Every house she lived in, every car she drove, they all got their moment in the sun, their own establishing shot. I wonder if her memories were different than mine. Does how we capture them affect how we remember them? I've looked for that house lots of times, walking through the neighborhoods my grandmother lived near as a teenager, but I've never found it. I'm sure it was leveled years ago. Did she notice when it was destroyed? Did the house continue to hold meaning to her after the photo was taken, or did that fade away over time? When my kids see the photos I took... What will they really see? I don't carry a photo of my grandmother. She lived in an era before cell phone cameras. I can flip through the photo roll on my phone and look at everyone else, but not her. I wonder why I carry the photo she took, rather than one of her. I want to be in that photo. I want to sit on that porch, just as it was when that photo was snapped, frozen in time. Time doesn't move in old photos. Is the same true of photos I take now? I don't feel like my photos stop time. If anything, they make it move faster. My daughter, who is nine, has gotten really into photography lately. She got a digital camera for her birthday. She is frustrated because she can't make the cats sit still long enough for the autofocus to work. I know how she feels. so much for being part of this first episode of No Extra Words. You just heard the story Old Photographs. One more story is coming. Before it does, wanted to check in and tell you a little bit about me, about this project, about your role in it, about what's ahead. 
My name is Chris Baker-Dirsch. I am the producer and editor of No Extra Words, launching as a way for me to share my flash fiction and to invite you to share yours. I would love to include voices in this project that are not mine. So if you are an author or have ever aspired to write flash fiction, please consider sending yours as well. To connect with me, the website is noextrawords.wordpress.com, has information about me, how to get hold of me, and also how to submit your work. This project is a big, scary endeavor for me, launching into something brand new, always tough to do, but I was inspired recently hearing a good advice to writers that writers should send something out into the universe once a week to try to hone their craft, to get readers, to work on a deadline, to do all those things. So that is what this is. It is the goal to record and upload one of these per week. I'm still working on what day of the week that's going to be and how regular, but if you enjoyed this, if you think you would enjoy more of this, please check in and keep following and let me know what your perception is. You can visit the website. You can email me. There's a Facebook link there. I'm also learning to tweet. I'm having adventures in Twitter. So if you would like to follow me along on my adventures in Twitter, I've been having a great time with the Twitter Fiction Fest this week. That is at No Extra Words on Twitter. Small logistical details. Both of the stories you are hearing today are authored by me. They are licensed under a Creative Commons license. It is the Attribution No Deriv license, which means you are free to pass this story on, to share it as long as it is passed on whole, unchanged, and with full credit given to me. For more information, a copy of the license, all those details, please check our show notes, please check the WordPress site. The theme music is Reverie Small Theme by Ghost. That is used under permission of a Creative Commons license. Again, that information is in the show notes and on the WordPress site. I'm going to throw one more story your way and then going to be out of here for the week. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you'll get in touch. I hope you'll tell your friends. And I hope that you will join me doing this big, crazy, scary thing together. Have a great week. Homework. I don't do my kids' homework for them. I know it sounds ridiculous to have to say this, but although I can't prove it, I'm pretty sure some of the other parents do. Today is the science fair. I took off work early to come to school and see my daughter standing by her project. So proud. My nine-year-old daughter. She should be proud of her project. She's been creating compost heaps and adding air or not adding air and stirring or not stirring. It stinks, but she's so proud and I'm proud of her. She learned what aerobic and anaerobic decomposition are, and she told me that she's going to keep finding ways to reduce waste and save the ecosystem. She's got charts and graphs that she made herself, and a drawing with a series of photographs. My husband did help her with the typing, but he only typed exactly what she hand wrote, spelling and all. Her spelling is pretty good, but she's nine. She's standing here with this project, and she is so proud. She has every right to be proud. She's holding up well, but she's between these two kids who have these projects that I don't believe nine-year-olds could do. The kid on her right has professionally printed charts and graphs. Those had to have been done at a print shop. They could not have been done at home. The kid on her left built a freaking electrical grid, and he's failing math. I smell a rat.
My daughter is holding her head high, but there's a sadness in her eyes behind the bravado. I suddenly feel like a bad mom because I didn't do her homework for her. I mean, how ridiculous is that? It's her science fair. I should be focusing on her, but I keep thinking about my son and what will happen when it's his turn. I love that kid like no other, but he doesn't have her smarts. He'd never be able to create a project like she did, so how is he going to feel when his best has to compete with the best his friend's dads can do? I do homework with my kids. It's one of the ways we connect. In the evenings after we clear off the dinner table, I pull out my laptop and work on my work projects while they pull out their books and do their homework. I'm around if they have questions, and sometimes we take breaks and they tell me what they're working on. They are seven and nine, and they have a lot of homework, more than I ever did at that age. We were told on curriculum night that kids should get about 10 minutes of homework per grade level. So my daughter, who is in the third grade, should have 30 minutes a night, and my son, who is in first grade, should have 10. Well, I don't know who's keeping track, but I can tell you we all work at that dining room table every night for probably an hour. It's hard work, too, especially for my son, who's trying to learn to read, and it's just so hard for him. I want to declare a homework holiday and have all of us take a night off some Thursday and go get ice cream. But I also want to teach them responsibility and that they should follow the directions of the teacher. I could probably use a night off myself and take less of my work home. For today, I take a picture of my daughter next to her hand-drawn charts and graphs and tell her how proud I am of her and mean it. On the way home, we buy ice cream cones and we savor the time sitting outside and licking the drips off our fingers. It will make everything we do tonight 20 minutes later than it should be, but it's a trade I'll take.